Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Streaming box technology and business rundown! Welcome to uh, the Stream Box uh, Business Technology and Rundown podcast. Uh, this is a monthly podcast. If you don't want to miss our podcast, uh, please subscribe uh, uh, using uh, whichever platform you're currently uh, listening or watching this on uh, so you don't miss us each month. And now to kind of begin the rundown. So uh, we're going to be talking about uh, remote uh, communication, remote development, uh, remote technologies, uh, everything involving remote uh, since our uh, glorious pandemic uh, has kind of forced everybody into that mode. Uh, and so there's probably lots to talk about uh, with our uh, hosts, uh, Kenlin and Botron. So uh, anybody want to start with anything or any thoughts on anything uh, concerning remote, uh, say, development or communications? All right. Well, that was a great conversation. <laughs> now we can move on to the next subject. Yeah. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is, is just the the constraints that we've got with being in this um, in Zoom or in these virtual environments where we can't get a lot of the nonverbals or um, serendipity doesn't happen as much. We, those, those, you run into somebody in the hallway and you remember something and there's, I think that there could be like a loss of creativity um, because of like being in, in Zoom um, or in these remote environments that we, we just can't quite replicate in person. I mean, I don't know, what do you think? Would, would you say um, something different? Well, I, I, what you... I, think the, I think one of the main problems with remote work is that it's a two-dimensional kind of situation and people are three and four dimensions, right? And mm -hmm. so with remote, communication and remote working you're only able to talk and kind of you know say some things on video it's very different than meeting somebody in an office right there there is a productivity issue uh but there's also a personality issue and as you mentioned kenlin this serendipity you're just kind of having a conversation and maybe some guy you know you can read a lot into body gestures but when all you see is a head, it, it, you don't see as much and it doesn't allow you to communicate fully. So that, that, uh, I think that's a major issue in remote communications and remote work. I think companies are seeing this. They indicate in a lot of the surveys that are done that remote work is, is you know, ha productivity is kind of taken a hit. Uh, they're not really doing a survey on creativity. So they haven't really measured if creativity is taking a hit, but companies are definitely seeing that productivity is less uh, because it's much harder to get a group of people together to brainstorm or to do things and everything has to be scheduled and people are living their lives on a conference call schedule, which is a little bit different than working in an office 
where you can just randomly, as you feel like it, get up and walk over to the other person's desk and say, you know, hey, Bob, what do you think of cats with three legs? And you can have a conversation, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 I, I think that's a challenge that, that remote work is, is showing. Yeah. I, I mean, this, the pandemic really hit, I mean, all this remote work, I mean, as a company, we've always done remote work. That's kind of how we built the company, but most people do not. And I read somewhere, I think it was in Vox or something, uh, you know, the pandemic basically put half of the U S workforce into their homes right so and that was done in a very short period of time when you know before the pandemic uh remote work was like 10 percent of the workforce now it's like 50 60 percent and they'll go back but it's going to be higher the people who stay at home it, they're predicting it might be 30 percent of the workforce is now working remote instead of 10 right or maybe even more it really depends, but I think the companies are really trying to figure out how to do this. And they talk about this hybrid model where people work from home and they come into the office two or three times a week and work from the office, or some of the people work from home and the rest of the people work in the office. It, it, it's going to be very interesting. A lot of it has to do with the people. So I've always worked remotely. I like kind of being alone in my uh, office at home. uh, And I'm very comfortable with that. Uh, You know, my wife, on the other hand, she loves working in an office and she's very social and she wants to talk to other people and she gets a lot done by doing that. So her working at home has been actually a little bit more stressful uh, because she doesn't have those social interactions, right? And so some people want to go back to the office. They can't wait. Uh, And some people enjoyed working from home and wouldn't go back to the office because they liked it better, right? So I think it's going to be an interesting uh, mix in the future. That's also a uh, steep learning curve to, like, learn to socialize remotely because we take it for granted. When we're in person, we can just talk to each other, like uh, you mentioned previously. We can just go up to someone and say that, hey, I'm working on this. What do you think? But remotely, it takes a lot more effort uh, to stay connected, to keep a schedule on who to reach out to and when. And it's really simple to, really easy to lose those connections. It actually takes a lot more effort to keep up with coworkers and sort of, you know, even, even just ask them, like, how are they doing every day? Um, it is a lot more work. So I've been working remotely, I guess, for about five years now, actually pre-pandemic. Um, and the thing that seemed to help me uh, the most is having to put, I think, like virtual copies on my calendar. So I try to meet different people um, just intentionally. But yeah, there's no like running into somebody. Um, the second best thing I've seen so far is in Slack. Like there's like a question of the day where you can learn about your coworkers there. But again, it just it has to be a lot of thought put into getting to know people rather than just being able to run into people. Yeah, the, exo- the uh, social aspects of uh, having to actually meet people and, and be concerned about, you know, their personal lives and all that, it can be exhausting, uh, especially when you're on your uh, seventh uh, Zoom call of the day. 
mm-hmm. and it's just like okay, I, I I haven't left my chair in eight hours. Uh, it'd be nice if I could like move around or something. It, it sometimes gets a little difficult in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, we will see uh, how it uh, progresses in the future. Um, but I, I agree. You know, for those who have been doing remote work for a long time, they know that there's kind of a tempo of the work. Whereas I think people in an office were used to a very different tempo. And now that teams are getting, you know, distributed and spread out. So uh, example, some of these large companies, uh, their workers, since they're all going to be working from home, have all, have moved, right? A lot of them are actually moving, like in California, they're moving to states with much lower cost of living. Uh, and the companies are, are realizing this. And so now the teams are more distributed. And so uh, it can be, you know, a question, do we pay them the same? Uh, the time mm-hmm. zones are different. Now they got to schedule calls at weird hours. Um, you know, people are working. If I want to talk to someone in Asia, I'm working late at night. Uh, and then there's Europe. So then you're working early in the morning. Uh, and so I think the companies are finding that this kind of time zone scheduling and and distribution of employees is making it harder where it was much easier if they're all in one building in one location, uh, communication is much faster and the the tempo of work is much faster, uh, because you don't have all these differences in time zones and, and other things. Uh, what do you think is the most uh, is the most stretch we can give to, uh, between time zones? Like how many hours of difference would you say is still, uh, I don't want to say ideal, but acceptable when we are working remotely? Because I have seen that uh, usually remote work opportunities often includes that, uh, for example, you can only take this job if you live in the States or if you live in Europe or Asia or whatever. That uh you know 12 hours is the reality so you can do phone calls uh to one side of the planet in the morning and you can do phone calls uh to your Mm -hmm. local area during the day and then you can do calls uh late at night to the other side of the planet right so uh it really depends and sometimes you can't get out of it like this one time I had to show up for a presentation at 4.30 in the morning Pacific time because it was the management was over in Denmark. So it was yeah. like there's no way to get out of it. You just have to show up for your slot and present. So Yeah, um, I have a uh, uh, I'm doing a, a conference on uh, leading a panel uh, for a European investment uh, group. Uh, and there's no way around it. I have to get up at three o'clock in the morning, uh, and become conscious, uh, uh, run the panel, uh, and then go back to sleep. <laughs> and, uh, there's just, there's no way around it. That's just what the schedule is. Right. Uh, and, and I think workers and people are, are starting to, to realize that, that, yeah, the, for certain jobs and, and other things, the remote situation is great for them. And they can work a normal kind of eight-hour day. Um, But for other people, and particularly people who are running businesses, uh, they tend to have to uh, work really long days. You know, and uh, for me, I'm working all the time, right? Uh, uh, One of my more productive work times 
is just before I go to bed at 11 o'clock at night, right? Because I can get a lot of emails and stuff done. Uh, and a lot of the people I'm working with are in Europe. Uh, and so when they're starting their day, they're getting my emails. So I work, you know, I usually do an hour of email before uh, I go to sleep. Uh, and then when I wake up in the morning, uh, I got a whole bunch of emails I got to answer uh, before I do my first phone calls. So uh, it's a long day, right? And, you know, I break it up. Uh, and that's kind of the, the advantage of working from home is you can break up your day and you can schedule stuff uh, that makes sense for you. So I usually like to try to get in a bike ride during the day. Uh, and the best time for that seems to be my three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and phone call wise and time zone wise, that's an empty spot for me. Uh, so it works out and I can do that three or four times a week, uh, which kind of keeps me sane. Whereas if I was working in an office, uh, it's not so much. Yeah, that's a great topic. I mean, exercise, it's extremely important for not losing our minds. Like, uh, recently I just, uh, started walking on a treadmill instead of having lunch. It has an incredibly positive effect on my mental health and i think that's something to consider like when we think about equipment for remote work what do we think of webcams microphones headsets that's about it usually a laptop does it all only one package but what we don't think of is uh, people need to do some exercise like i mean biking is a great option for sure <laughs> even if you are biking at home on, on an exercise bike it's absolutely awesome. But that that is something we rarely think about. And actually, I've only ever seen a single uh, job posting where they said that, okay, here's your allowance of, I don't know, 5,000 euros in that range somewhere. And uh, go buy some exercise equipment because you're going to lose your sanity working remotely if you don't exercise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we need that perk. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I think companies are learning this too. Uh, if they're going to ask their workers to work these long hours over a lot or a, a lot of hours over a long period of time, uh, you know, they got to encounter a lifestyle, right? And the, there is aspect to that. Like, uh, you know, my wife has to schedule her day because she takes my daughter to daycare. So she has to schedule her calls so that she doesn't have a call during one particular hour so she can do that. Uh, but that works out. Uh, but she's also taking calls at seven or eight at night because she has to talk to China, right? And so, you know, uh, I think the companies are now really accepting this kind of flexible timeline of work uh, where work is done uh, or there's times when you're not working during the day Whereas in the past, if you were working in an office, that was unacceptable, right? And I, I think these companies are starting to see that, that it has real benefits. They're, they're, I don't know if they're promoting exercise as much, but clearly exercise is really important. Uh, even just getting up and moving around. Uh, I do a lot of my calls uh, without video because I like to walk around and wave my arms and, you know, uh, sometimes I just go up and down the stairs, uh, 10 times for some exercise and I have my headset on and people are talking so I can listen and, 
and move around and that helps keep me sane a little bit right but if you're on video you just got to sit in front of the camera the whole time uh kind of like making a podcast or something like that uh, and this is really funny because uh, we i mean on the project that i'm working on we never do video calls ever <laughs> it's just yeah, uh, sort of, walking. What we going to? yeah well um here's something that kind of uh, r relative to the subject, uh, something, uh, my normal kind of humor. So how many software developers does it take to change a light bulb? How many? None. That's a hardware problem. All right. <laughs> you just right. submit a ticket. Yeah. I just had to do at least one bad uh, joke, uh, podcast. So I thought I'd do try that one. That is that brings up a different subject. So there are jobs that need some kind of physical location because they involve, for example, a hardware developer may not have access to, uh, you know, technology they need uh, to develop their engineering. They could do a bunch of their engineering at home, but they may need access to tools and location. Um, and so with remote work, that may be an issue. One of the things I read was that there are businesses starting that are providing tools and locations and laboratories for people who are doing work remotely that they can kind of come in and rent it for a day or half a day to do work. Uh, and that because they, they've moved and they're now remote, uh, and they need access to those tools so they can't fly into uh, their headquarters or their company a couple states over or something. Um, but what do you think about these people who actually kind of as a remote worker will need access to that? How do they deal with that? Or what, what are things that they're going to have to try to figure out? You're saying if they don't have a resource like that available. Yeah. Like if you like yeah. if you work with a company and, and you decide to move to another state because the the cost is lower, but you still work for the company, but then the company needs you to do some things that require some tools or whatever, and flying a couple states over to do that for a couple hours doesn't make sense. What do these people do? Do they try to build a laboratory in their house, or do they rent a laboratory, or find the tools? Maybe the companies have to buy the tools and. Maybe some of them are big and some of them are small. I mean, that's a challenge that, that remote work is going to bring up or has brought up, right? It could. I mean, it's uh, like, what is the cost of travel um, for them to go into the place if it's going to be less to just buy things or buy the equipment they need and send it to them? Um, but maybe that yeah. could make sense rather than having them travel. But it's, I think a lot of companies are finding that work travel is not necessary as much as they thought. Like there's actually, it's been like this giant experiment where they get to have their beliefs challenged. So I think it could be that people are shipping um, equipment out where they wouldn't have otherwise just spent mm -hmm. money on hotels and food and travel. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, I mean, let's consider the part when they are on payroll. And let's go back to the example where we mentioned the lab. So if you want a good like chemistry lab, chemistry lab, how many uh, business class tickets does it take <laughs> to build up a proper lab mm -hmm. for 
any kind of serious work. I mean, it's got to be a lot. So I would say in some cases, uh, travel is completely justified and justifiable, rightfully. All right. I mean, it's even cheaper to buy a private plane. You can buy a Cessna for, I think, for less than an electron microscope. So, I mean, those are some new considerations that <laughs> no employer ever thought of before. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that companies have to deal with, I, I mean, uh, there was a study uh, by McKinsey, uh, and they basically uh, analyzed over 2,000 different type of jobs and, and 800 op uh, occupations uh, in about eight different countries, like in Europe and the United States. And they're only really considering remote work that can be done without a loss of productivity, right? And the, what they showed is, is that 20 to 25% of the workforces uh, can actually work from home three to five days a week without having a loss of productivity or limits of the job, right? So, you know, what they're expecting and what they're predicting from this is that, uh, you know, the, the remote workforce will grow up to, you know, probably 25, 30% of the workforce will now be remote. That's going to leave a lot of empty office space. Um, but it's also going to, you know, if they built a laboratory or a testing facility or something and they were expecting, you know, 100 workers to use it all the time, now it's only going to be 50 workers using it all the time. It may not be that productive or efficient, and they may not, they may have overbuilt for what, what they're actually going to have, uh, or they weren't considering the cost of having to fly those people in all the time to, to use that facility. Um, I think that's going to be a very big challenge that, that, that some of the larger enterprise companies are going to be dealing with. Right. Sure. Well, how about San Francisco, the uh, Salesforce tower? And then Salesforce then announces that everyone can work from home. So it's like, what are they going to do with that giant tower? Yeah, that was huge. That was like, what, 100 stories? Yeah, it's huge. And, and it's been empty now. I mean, I don't know. They spent, what, uh, I don't know how many, you know, two, $300 million to build that thing. Uh, now it's kind of empty. But I also think, you know, I don't know about San Francisco, but much of the country, at least the United States, you know, they're predicting that, you know, during the pandemic, uh, about 50% of the workforce was working remote, right? So it went from 10% to 50%, and they think it's going to go back down to 30%. But that's still, you know, 20% of the workforce isn't going back to the office uh, that used to go to an office. You know, that's a quarter or close to a quarter. Uh, what are all those people going to do with those empty buildings? Right. Um, I know some people who work for a large uh, company that has a campus with like 10 buildings on it and they would have 8,000 people working on site all the time. And now they're thinking of having maybe 4,000 people working on site. So they got, you know, huge buildings that are basically going to be empty. Now, who are they going to sell them to? Because not a lot of people need empty buildings because their workforces aren't all working in an office, right? Um, and another person I know, um, their office was renovated to be this office of the future where everybody works together in, in one place and they're all compact and they're sharing desks and all that other stuff. Well, mm -hmm. now in this post-pandemic world, 
they have to convert that office back into an old style office with cubicles and people are isolated. Um, and there are a bunch of people who don't want to go back to that, right? So there's some really big challenges. I think among, among developers too, because now with so many companies now offering remote work, uh, I've you know heard talk of people not wanting to go back to a place that requires them to be in an office. They want the flexibility. So I feel like it could end up being a competitive advantage for for companies um, as far as hiring. Like they need to offer remote work, or else they might lose some of their best workers. Well, I, I think another issue is, you know, as a lot of companies are already, they already know they're going to have this kind of what I would call hybrid mix, right? Where they have employees that work remotely, they have employees that work on site, they have employees that work half remote, half on site. One of the things I read was that um, a lot of promotions and career development during the pandemic, a lot of it stopped. And one of the reasons they cited for it is that a lot of those events take place in person. Uh, and uh, people who are on site uh, working with the, the management and the directors who are on site will have a better opportunity at advancing their career than the remote people who never come on site and never meet the, the management in person. I don't know, what do you guys think? Is that a valid concern? Is that something that you know you think will be happening? I think it's valid. Um, as far as like having, having FaceTime with people, it's like you don't get to know, like, you remember that, that term of putting a face to a name, it's like you're, allowing yourself to be present and people to put your face to that name. And I think that's more of a, a powerful visual for people. Um, even if they're intending to promote remote people, I think having people in front of you makes a big difference. Uh, we can also flip this on its head and uh, just say that, you know, people who are remote are less annoying, so they may have more opportunities. <laughs> So I'm sure everyone on this podcast had their share of annoying coworkers, and they are much more annoying in person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that can be guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, th there's definitely a shift. There's definitely a much larger emphasis on uh, corporate events. Like, I mean, after the pandemic, because right now, obviously, everything is canceled, everything is postponed. But since most of us are working remotely anyway, or all of us are, uh, we probably are in a good place to understand that uh, FaceTime does not necessarily mean being in the office. Mm -hmm. It can also mean just showing up for events, being uh, well-dressed, well-groomed in those situations. That way, uh, we can leave a lasting impression on people. Yeah. And in the office, uh, after the first uh, couple of months, like, maybe we stop wearing a suit jacket or uh, just forget to put our handkerchiefs in our uh, pockets. Uh, little stuff like that. We start to and tend to let go after a while. So th there's something to be said for 
being always presentable when we meet yeah. uh, executives, uh, CTOs, CEOs, and such. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, for myself, I was able to advance remotely. Um, but at the same time, like being in a hybrid environment where you had most of most everybody was in the office and then there was only a, like a group of us that were remote, I feel like it's harder to be visible if most people are are um, working in person. So I think that's when it takes a lot more effort to put yourself out there. Like you said, I think it's, yeah, it's absolutely possible, but how do you make yourself visible if most people are are um, not remote? Like, what do you, what do you think? I mean, advancement is uh, is an interesting topic because it's also a generational thing. So uh, there's been many studies on this and uh, millennials and up, they usually see advancement as uh, quitting a certain uh, mm-hmm. position at a certain job and going to another one. And it's certainly much more easy to advance this way because we yeah. can just uh, write in our resume that, okay, I had uh, two plus years of experience at uh, this place doing this thing. So hire me at a uh, position befitting of my experience so i honestly in my generation i haven't really seen anyone advance at their positions i don't know if that's a social thing or it's uh i I really have no idea but uh, in the same position i've never seen anyone advance that's that's something weird you know uh about advancement it's 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 always a strange topic to me because mm-hmm. I, I used to work at, at corporates like a huge multinational corporation and uh, every year they would do a pay raise based on uh, evaluations given at the end of the year by uh, supervisors and the thing was that that pay raise didn't even cover inflation so what's the point like yeah <laughs> why wouldn't anyone just quit and find another position and the funny thing is uh when i exited that corporation they kept calling me for an entire year for some reason like hey we have uh, this and this job opening and i'm like guys why <laughs> yeah. and, and i also think it's with different types of people within a, a, a company right so you know the i guess you would say the the worker bees you know they're not really looking for lots of promotions or they don't expect a lot of promotions but all the managers and all the directors uh their only question is when do i get to become a director when do i get to become a senior vice president you know they're looking for their next career move uh but usually in these companies those higher directors they don't have a whole lot of places to move to because once you're director or senior vice president, it's kind of hard to move up in the company, right? Um, but you know the middle management, uh, you know managers and senior managers and, and those type of people, yeah, they're expecting to move up. They would like to move up, uh, and that's mm-hmm. part of this career drive. And, and within technology companies, you know. The companies know that if they want to keep their people, they have to provide some kind of way for them to be promoted or to move up. Uh, at the same time, you know, if the organization isn't, uh, you know, a 2,000 or 3,000 person organization and you're working in a company with only 100 people, how many times can you move up? 
right? There's just not that many places to move up at. I mean, um, smooth times I, to want. You just get a new title and a slight pay raise. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, a lot of companies now are just not even giving title changes. They're just giving pay raises, saying, look, we can't oh. move you up, but we'll pay you more money. Please stay happy. Uh, well, that's you know, better than I guess. The benefits of remote work that, that they're now offering that to say, well, you'll you'll get to remote work remote. Um, but the companies are also realizing stuff like a bunch of people, are like especially in say California where I am, uh, they're basically saying, well, if I'm going to work remote, I'm going to move to Florida because the cost of living is half of California. And the companies are like, oh, okay, move to Florida. We're going to renegotiate your salary. You don't need as much money because you don't have a huge mortgage, a California mortgage. You now have a Florida mortgage. So we're going to pay you less, right? And, and that's oh, actually nice. starting to happen, that, that these people uh, are moving, thinking that they're going to get uh, California pay in Florida. Uh, and the companies mm -hmm. are saying, no, no, no. Uh, we would like to see the cost savings too. Right. Yeah, that's the thing with uh, remotes. Like, even if uh, we go to a company that operates in California, they are like, okay, but you live in the EU, one of the cheapest countries in the EU, so you're going to get the lowest pay in the company. <laughs> so it's fun. And also, like, uh, country of origin, I feel, matters a bit. Like, not uh, uh, not so much because we are so, so invested in diversity and supporting diversity that it's getting to be less and less of an issue but uh, I have noticed that uh, I mean in Europe especially like you got the east side and the west side sort of <laughs> and on the east yeah. side uh, let's say you get paid a thousand shekels while on the west side you get paid uh, 10,000 and if you take a job on the west side but you're from the east side you're going to get paid I mean maybe 2,000 3,000 something like that and it's uh, it's just uh, baffling to me. Like, uh, how how did this become normal? <laughs> like, yeah, how is this the same work? Right? Yeah. If you're doing the same work, then it should. Be yeah, and often same. you do more work because you are from a lower income area, so you feel like you have to prove yourself. So some of the hardest working people are from like the the near east. I I don't know what uh -huh. is the right expression. Like, but some of the best guys are from the, those regions because they feel this immense uh, motivation to prove themselves. Yeah, no, it, it is a, a, a real question about pay rates and same work for different rate. Uh, and yeah, there is a reality. Uh, you know, uh, if they, and, and it was, it's more of a reality with in-house or with uh, local development or local work Right. Uh, but even these companies are like, you know, they I, I think that a lot of companies year, a year, two, three years after the pandemic, they're going to realize that the, the, the productivity and the way they want to do business, they're going to want their employees to spend time in the offices. Um, and so, yes, there'll still be a lot of remote workers, but I don't think it'll be at the level people are thinking now. Uh, I think the companies uh, want to have their workers closer. And in that situation, cost of living uh, in the local area does mean something. 
Um, yeah. But it's also an ego thing, like <laughs> for middle no, management, it it's is. a huge yeah. ego thing to have everyone working at their desks in uh, <laughs> clearly visible. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's that as well, and you know, the world is. Uh, yes, I I think that pay rates are going to get a little bit closer and countries that were working in lower pay rates, those people are going to get higher pay rates as remote workers, particularly when they are working in a freelance kind of situation. When they're working as a, a company employee, it might be different because part of that is other benefits that you get as an employee uh, that you wouldn't get as say a freelancer and companies are going to leverage that. Um, but, uh, I, I think the world's definitely going to go through a change with remote work, uh, that the rates are going to kind of not have as much of a difference that that gap between, you know, a worker doing one job in one country and a worker doing the same job in another country. I think the pay rates are going to get a little bit closer. I don't think they'll ever be the same globally throughout the world, but I think you'll see a little bit closing of that gap. Um, uh, but that's a dream, ain't that right? Yeah, uh, I, I, I see it happening now, right? So uh, mm. we do see changes in that. A lot of that is because of demand. Example for developers, there's a very high demand right now because during the pandemic, everybody realized they're going to have to do business digitally. So they need their websites working. They need their digital products working better. And so everybody's scrambling to find developers. Uh, in another year or two, those projects will all be finished. And it'll probably go back to the way it was pre-pandemic when they had a lot more developers available and the rates were a little bit lower. Uh, although I don't think the rates are going to come down that much. Uh, but developer availability will probably increase. And so people will be looking for projects, whereas right now there's more projects than developers, right? Uh, but it may shift to other things and other types of workers. Uh, example right now, uh, the hardest thing to find is restaurant workers. Uh, where we are, they're opening up a lot of the restaurants and the restaurant owners can't find workers. Nobody wants to work in the restaurants for what they used to pay, right? Uh, uh, yeah, now they want sense, a lot but... more and the restaurants aren't built on that business model to pay more. So yeah. they're having a people hard who time work finding in people. Restaurants are also one of the most abused group of people ever. Like, yeah, by employers. So it's it's uh, no wonder that they don't want to go back.